This is the Faith Debate, a theological roundtable gab fest, a free-for-all forum with faith community leaders wrestling over the truth. In less than one half hour, learn more about what really matters than what most others learn in a week. The Faith Debate is on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com, keyword faith. Are you ready for the clash of ideas? Are you ready for the sound of freedom? Let's get ready to rumble in this corner, weighing in with the Master of Divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary, the Faith Debate Master of Ceremonies, (laughs) Troy Skinner. Good morning. It was 17 years ago this week that one of the most momentous happenings in my lifetime, probably in yours, uh, took place. You could argue it's one of the most momentous happenings in the history of this country, of Western civilization, and it certainly has had an impact not just on our culture, on our politics, on geopolitical concerns, but on the church, whether it be ecumenicalism, uh, for better or for worse, um, church's response to such things. Um, Of course, I'm talking about what happened this week, 17 years ago in September. It was a Tuesday morning, September 11th. 2001. Good morning, America. I'm Charles Gibson. I'm Diane Sawyer, and it's Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. It is beautiful outside, perfect September day with lots of sunshine. Oh, would you look at Washington, huh? I'm going outside today. Other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. Is that America 11 trying to call? We have some planes. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're turning to the airport. The pilot, everyone to a stab. They're in the back of the airplane. They're not. Oh, the hijackers are in the cockpit. Oh, no. Okay, we just lost connection. This is CNN Breaking News. This, Justin, you are looking at obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. A gigantic sonic boom. The air is filled with hundreds of thousands of pieces of paper that are just sort of floating like confetti. You say that emergency vehicles are there. Of course, the major concern is human loss. I mean. Just hit. Oh, another one just hit. Oh my God. Oh my God. Why do you say that was definitely on purpose? It's because it literally blew itself into World Trade Center. Early reports are that at least one of those planes was a hijacked American Airlines plane en route from Boston to Los Angeles. Thousands of people that have been running from inside these buildings. We're blanking dying when asked what was happening and hung up. There was screaming and yelling in the background and a follow-up call was not answered. We heard a big bang. We saw smoke coming out and everybody started running out and we saw the plane on the other side of the building and there was smoke everywhere and people are jumping out the windows over there. They're jumping out the windows, I guess, because they're trying to see themselves. I don't know. Bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, tower closest to the highway. Obviously, they had two choices to be burned into in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. It was quite tragic. At 9.05 a.m., White House Chief of Staff Andy Card whispered into Bush's ear, quote, a second plane has hit the second tower. America is under attack. David, we're going to, David, we're going to cut the cut off. President Bush is speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a difficult moment for America. 
Uh, today, we've had a national tragedy. Uh, two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. And have ordered that the full resources of the federal government uh, go to help the victims and their families and, the, and to conduct a full-scale investigation to hunt down and to find those folks who committed this act. Terrorism against our nation will not stand. And now if you join me in a moment of silence. May God bless the victims, their families, and America. Thank you very much. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, there is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. Associated Press is reporting that a plane crashed at the Pentagon. The heart of the military uh, command center of the United States of America, John. It can't get much worse than this, let's hope. I'm in front of the Capitol, and a moment ago, police officers ran up to us and told us, and I quote, there is a plane that has been hijacked and is headed this way. It should be noted that there are sharpshooters on the roof of the White House who have anti-aircraft missiles for just this kind of situation. Wow, and some Jamie, people were. Jamie, I need you to stop for a second. There has just been a huge explosion. We can see uh, a billowing smoke rising. Let's go to the Trade Tower again, because John, we now have a, what do we have? We don't, it looks like a, a new plume, a new large plume of smoke. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. We're not sure exactly what happened, but it was another explosion on the far side of one of the buildings from where we're standing. The, ver the, the reverberation and another explosion on the right-hand side. And I can't, I'll, I'll tell you that I can't see that second tower, but y there was a cascade of sparks and fire, and now this, it looks almost like a mushroom cloud. What is behind it, which I, I cannot tell you. But just look at that. That is about as frightening a scene as you will ever see. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. The whole building has collapsed? The building has collapsed. It's folded down on itself. Maybe there's three of us in this We're not ready to die, but it's getting bad. There's lots of people up here. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. There it goes. There it goes. And there's, you can see, perhaps the second tower, the front tower, the top portion of which is collapsing. United 93, go ahead. Did you hear uh, some interference on the frequency here uh, a couple minutes ago, screaming? We have a report that a 747 uh, is down in Pennsylvania. I need to interrupt you. This is a Taliban spokesman uh, talking uh, now in Kabul, I believe. Uh, sources are telling CNN that there are, quote, good indications that people with links to the Osama bin Laden organization are responsible for today's attacks. Dateline, uh, West Bank. Uh, thousands of Palestinians celebrated today's terror attacks in the United States, chanting, God is great, and distributing candy to passers-by. I don't know that I've ever shared this on the Faith Debate program before. Maybe I have in passing. I don't recall that I did. Uh, I don't talk about it very much, but I was on Manhattan Island that day. This is, by the way, Troy Skinner, and you are listening to the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Not much of a faith debate happening here. I'm doing a recollection of uh, a shared memory that we all have from 17 years ago. It was 17 years ago that I moved to Frederick, my family and I. We actually purchased our house in 
um, July, closed in August. The family uh, moved in before school started. But I still had a job in New York City at the time. I was working for Westwood One and uh, hadn't quite yet started my I would soon be working here at WFMD and sister station WFRE uh, but I was in transition so my wife and kids were in the house in Frederick and I was uh, heading to work in New York City and was running late that day for some reason and uh, missed my initial uh, uh, bus and then had to get on a second bus and so my biggest concern was oh great I'm going to be late <laughs> so listening to the, the radio, but then going through Lincoln Tunnel, didn't hear uh, the radio anymore. You lose coverage there. And so that's when everything started to happen. Uh, the, the news coverage started to break in. And so I'm in the tunnel when all this is happening. So I come out of the tunnel, get off the um, uh, the bus, and start making my, my trek towards my, my office on 57th. And, as I, and that trek took me through Times Square, and they have all those big, giant jumbo screens, you know, the big, gigantic television screens. And you could see, and I have no context, mind you, I have no idea what's going on, but I hear sirens, and I see a bunch of people, and there's always a bunch of people in in Times Square staring at the screens, but not quite like this morning. And I'm looking up, and I'm saying, what are they looking at that for? There's the big screen of of a close-up of a tall building with smoke coming out of it, and you could see the little graphic underneath saying, plane crashes into the building. And... People are talking to each other, and somebody comes up to me. This never happens in New York City, so this was a strange event. Somebody comes up and says, what's happening? And I was like, I don't know. Apparently, a plane has hit a building somewhere. I have no idea where it is. And I'm looking around. And I don't think it's here in New York because I, from my vantage point, I couldn't see anything. So maybe it's Chicago or out on the West Coast. Or I wasn't thinking about the time difference. It probably would have still been possibly dark or twilight in Los Angeles at that time. And the early reports was it was a Cessna that hit the, the, the building with some sort of accident. So I continue on my way, walking uh, the rest of the way to work. By this point now, I notice that there's a whole bunch of barricades uh, put up at, on side streets, and there seems to be a stronger police presence than usual. Not not over-the-top militaristic police presence, but police presence uh, more than usual nonetheless. And then I get to our building where I worked at Westwood One, and I get on the elevator, and for the second time, a stranger spoke to me. Again, people in New York City don't even make eye contact with one another, much less speak to strangers uh, on elevators or otherwise. And the guy says to me, this is an attack. This is an attack. That's not an accident. Two planes, there's no way that that's an accident. And I'm like, two planes? What are you talking about? So I get up to the, the floor that my offices are on, and there's this the, – the, shortly past the lobby, somebody had a little cubicle kind of office with a little tiny TV, like a – I don't know. It's like a six-inch TV or something. And everybody's gathered around trying to see the TV. I'm like, what's going on? And somebody said, yeah, the plane crashed into the World Trade Center. I said, the World Trade Center? What? I said, yeah. I said, I couldn't see it. Well, I was coming up sixth. And from that vantage point, you couldn't see the World Trade Center. But coming up fifth, I could have. So I went back downstairs. I go to fifth. I look up the street. And sure enough, I see these two gigantic uh, smokestacks uh, with dark, black, sooty smoke coming out. And I you know, stood down there and stared at it for a while, like a bunch of other people did. And it didn't seem like the situation was changing much. And I was like, okay, so now what? So I go back upstairs. And our boss, believe it or not, called a meeting. He wanted to have a sales meeting <laughs> with the affiliate sales division. And we're like, are you crazy? The World Trade Center is on fire. Come on. And uh, he was insistent. Somebody finally talked some sense into him. And so that meeting got uh, got canceled. But he did tell everybody, get to, get to work. Get to your desks. Get on the phones. Come on. Let's get to work. And so me and a good buddy of mine, Stu, you know, uh, we tried to get back to work. But none of the phones, we couldn't get through. Nothing but busy signals. 
And we're like, okay, well, this is weird. So now what do we do? And so we're sitting there talking with each other like, what are we supposed to do? Our boss is nuts. He wants us to do something. The phones aren't working. There's this crisis going on down the street. We're not sure what to make of it. And all of a sudden, this woman comes running past us with, I'm, I'm not kidding. You hear this phrase all the time. She looked like she'd seen a ghost. I'm telling you, she looked like she had seen a ghost. She had no color in her face, mortified, running past us. And I turned to my friend Stu and say, Stu, what in the world was that? He said, oh, something else must have happened, I said. He said, no, she probably just found out about it. And I said, she just found out about it? No, she couldn't have just found out about it. It's been too long. Too much time has passed. Something else must – there must be a new development. Let's go find out. Well, by this point, the conference room that had been reserved for that meeting that never happened was now open. And that's where they had some larger televisions. They had three TVs up toward the ceiling. Um, and there was the, the three major channels for New York. There was a CBS station, the, um, the, the NBC station, the ABC station. Maybe there was a fourth TV. Maybe a Fox station was up. I can't remember. There was a, a panel of television up there and we're all watching and the that's when the second uh uh the, the, the i'm trying to get my my bearing straight yeah so the second plane had hit that's when the woman went running like holy cow no that's not right i'm getting my story all messed up i'm i t- told this out of order so there was a debate earlier let me backtrack there was a debate earlier about how were they going to fix these buildings this is major immense damage being done to these buildings and uh, one of the guys that i worked with said they're not going to be able to fix that building. They're going to take it down and rebuild it from scratch. I said, take it down from scratch? No, just from where the planes hit. You know, take it from, you know, take that apart from there. Like save the top 70, you know, the bottom 75 floors and just build from there. And he's like, no, it'll never work. And I was like, really? Well, anyway, what the woman went running past us, uh, what she saw or what she heard, I guess, on her radio uh, and wanted to go see on the TV was that one of the buildings had collapsed. And so we went in there and sure enough, you know, and so the guy who was arguing about the uh, the building – uh, needing to be deconstructed before it could be reconstructed. Um, you know, in the moment, dark humor plays, I guess. And I turned to him and I said, well, I guess it's a moot point now, huh? For that building anyway. So we're standing there watching and they're replaying. Now, this is local coverage. Everybody else in the country is probably watching the na- watching the national coverage, but I'm watching the local coverage uh, in New York City. And so I'm not sure what you saw, but they were slow to catch on what was going on on the local coverage. And well, you can't blame them, right? I mean, what is going on? It's crazy. And so we're watching the replay. They're showing the replay of the building collapsing over and over and over again. And, and the, and the announcers, the news anchors are describing it, but then they, you know, they can only describe it so many times. So they start talking to each other, interviewing the reporters out on the street, that sort of thing. Meanwhile, the video is still playing over and over again, but then they cut the live shots, go to video, cut the live shots, go to video. And then I'm noticing it looks like the video had shifted and that this was like a fresh experience. And I'm thinking the second building's falling. And they're like, no, 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 that's the, that's the first building. I said, no, this is, this is, I'm telling you, the second tower is falling. And everybody's like, I think you're right. And like five seconds later, the announcers on TV said, oh my goodness, is that the second tower? Is the second tower coming down? And that's how surreal is. Nobody expected that this was going to happen. And nobody expected what would follow. By the way, I'll, I'll spare you the details of the long odyssey, but, uh, there was lockdown. You couldn't get off the island in Manhattan and, um, and you couldn't get a call out because uh, part of it is you lost all your cell coverage because the big cell towers were on top of the World Trade Center. So when the towers came down, that was, you, you lost your cell service and it was nuts. And we, in New York City where there's a restaurant every other foot, uh, that we couldn't find a restaurant open for lunch. So, but we did finally find a place that was open for lunch. We decided to try to wait and eventually they'd let us off the, the island, right? They have to. In the meantime, to, 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 to uh, 
buy ourselves some time until that would happen, one of my other coworkers, Chris, and I decided to see how close to the World Trade Center site we could get. And we walked down there. And I got within three blocks, by the way. And I still have a, a little small little piece of the World Trade Center that, uh, that I picked up and still have with me. Just a small pocket site. Like, I mean, two inches by one inch kind of thing. Um, and it was nuts. And... The, the dust, the soot was so fine that a police officer cruiser went by doing, I'm not kidding, he had to be doing like two miles an hour. And you know when a plane takes off really fast, you can see a little swirl of black smoke come off the wings? There was a swirl like that of the soot coming off of the vehicle, even though it was barely moving. It was just unreal. So we walked back. It was hot. I was tired, uh, exhausted. Uh, we heard rumors that other buildings were going to come down. Another building actually did come down, as you know, I'm sure. Uh, ended up getting across. Uh, there were hazmat suits. It was like that Dustin Hoffman movie where he's wearing bee costume kind of thing, <laughs> and uh, it was it was crazy. Chris and I actually, you know, we cut in line to get across. We just couldn't hang in there anymore. One of the surreal things I remember from that day is walking through the city of New York, right down the middle of the street, and there were no cars, like no cars. I'm not talking about like no cars moving. There were no cars anywhere. Looking up and down the street, where'd all the cars go? They weren't even parked on the sides of the street. I have no idea to this day where all the cars went. I have. <laughs> I have no idea. Ended up crashing at uh, my friend Chris's house in, in on the other side of Manhattan in uh, Jersey City, or Hoboken, I guess, is where he lived, and, and uh, crashed there. And through an odyssey, got uh, picked up by my aunt's neighbor, who uh, got me back to my car at the park and ride, uh, going the wrong way on one-way streets and getting around barriers because everything was shut down and locked down. Got in my car uh, and was the only car on the road getting back to my father-in-law's house, which is where I was staying at the time because, again, we had just moved to Frederick and uh, I was in transition. So I left the office on Tuesday at noon and I walked through the front door of my father-in-law's house on Wednesday at noon. It took me 24 hours to get home. And the most impactful part of the story is well, I came back, I, I drove straight, to, grabbed some lunch, grabbed some clothes, and drove straight to Frederick and then spent the rest of the week in Frederick with my family, which had been evacuated because we lived near the Fort Detrick area, evacuated from there. Or it was a voluntary evacuation, but they, <laughs> they evacuated. Um, anyway, went to be with them, calm everybody down, and um, then went back to work and walked like I always did. And my path of walking took me past... Um, took me past fire stations, uh, a couple of them, and I had to keep changing my path because I was trying to avoid them because emotionally I I couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, There were these signs of, of, of missing persons. You know, if you've seen this person, you know, call this number and flowers and wreaths and stuff, but these signs, these haunting photographs, they weren't missing persons. I mean, at the time, everybody was hoping that they were merely missing persons, but you knew in your gut you were looking at a loved one who had died. And it was so unnerving and depressing and sad. And I would actually weep walking to work and weep walking home from work as I would pass them. So I, I kept rechanging my my circuit until I uh, until I found a route that didn't pass them anymore. And then I came to work in Frederick and didn't have to worry about passing them for a while anymore. But let me say this. This is the faith debate. So let me put a faith spin on this in the last couple of minutes we have for the show today. There was a change in the spirit of the people in New York that lasted at least several weeks. And from what I understand, because I left after several weeks, came to Frederick. But I understand from my friends who continued to live there that it went on for several months. Uh, a real sense of community and connectedness and, uh, and understanding and love for one another. And boy, it's sad that we've lost that. 
The other thing that happened in the aftermath of that, and this might be the subject for some debate on this show down the road, there was this spirit of ecumenicalism, and it was cross-religion. You remember some of the worship services. It wasn't just you know Protestants and Catholics getting along and the Orthodox, but it was also Muslims and Jews and anybody of any faith, of any stripe, coming together to worship together, to pray together. And there's something about that that seems beautiful on its face. The problem is all these different faith traditions are claiming a different God. And it becomes a problem for somebody who's staunch in their faith like me to try to make sense of that and say, wait a minute, who are you praying to when you pray to God? Are you praying to my God? And it's an interesting question that should be sussed out. It has been sussed out by, by many uh, over the years, and we'll, we'll maybe tackle that issue on this show um, in, the, uh, in the days ahead as well. Anyway, I've never shared that story uh, on, the, on the air, I don't think. Uh, I've shared it before in person, and it was, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 years after the fact before I could finally tell it without actually breaking down and crying and blubbering. So I got just a hair of mist in my eyes this time. So I'm finally emotionally healing, I guess, from all of that. So it was this week, 17 years ago, that the world stopped turning, in the words of Alan Jackson. Do you remember where you were? I'm going to let the, the, the last portion of this show, the last minute or, or so of this show, end with the theme music of our show, just so you can kind of meditate and think about where you were on that day, what your life was like. I'll tell you one last thing is I had a profound recommitment to my faith during that period. Um, I started listening to religious radio uh, almost exclusively in the aftermath of that. And there was something that uh, Charles Stanley said in one of his radio programs that just stuck with me in a way that made the, the gospel message crystallize in a way it never had bef- before. And that changed the trajectory of my life. I was a Christian before that, but not like I became a Christian. Not that I'm a perfect Christian, but I'm talking about a, a depth of commitment, a depth of understanding of faith. So it had an impact on me. I'm sure it did on you. So you can think about those thoughts over the next you know, 30 to 60 seconds as I let the music play out. Until next week, God bless.